Ruth chapter number two in your Bibles. And uh, once you find your place there, if you would also go to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. I want to preach a message this evening entitled Hope in God. Hope in God. Or we could also say this, the hope of grace or hoping in grace and as we think about Ruth chapter number 2, you remember that the last three messages have been in Ruth chapter number 2. We talked about the hap of grace, those providential circumstances when we are seeking for the grace of God. God brings circumstances, providential circumstances into our life uh, that to give him yet another opportunity to display his grace. Nothing that we could have planned, but what God does in order to be a blessing and to encourage us. And then we talked about the help of grace, and we looked at the different uh, parts of chapter number two where Boaz is speaking, and that the, the grace that God showed to Ruth through the words of Boaz really were a wonderful picture of the word of God in our lives, his affirmation, his encouragement, his protection, his provision through his word. And so his word is our help. Boaz models the Lord Jesus Christ and that is the help of grace. And then last week, uh, we looked at the heart of grace, and we saw how Ruth, through her actions and attitude and words, which uh, are the, the revelation of what is in a person's heart, how Ruth shows us how we can develop a heart for grace and be experiencing the grace of God on an ongoing and a growing basis in our lives. This evening, I would like for us to consider the subject of hope. And I really get the idea from verse number two, 12, chapter number 2 and verse number 12. Boaz says to Ruth, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. To flee to a place for protection and provision is the idea, and really in many ways a synonymous idea of the idea or the word for hope or the uh, the attribute of hope. Now, that being said, as we think about hope, I want you to go to Psalm chapter number 42, and I want you to notice three verses. Psalm 42, verse number 5. The psalmist calls, as one man said, calls his soul on the carpet. And I'll repeat what I've said before and what I have to say to myself many times still, and that is this. We need to listen to ourselves less and talk to ourselves more. We need to listen to ourselves less and talk to ourselves more. If I listen to myself and my fallen sin nature, uh, I can, through criticism, through negativity, through discouragement, I can convince myself, and then the devil whispered in my ear, convince myself of a lot of things that are not true. Okay. And so I want you to notice verse number five. David, or the psalmist, pardon me, the sons of Korah, they talk to themselves instead of listening to themselves. And notice the question that is asked by the individual psalmist as he speaks to his soul. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? The idea of the word is there discouraged or depressed. And why art thou disquieted in me? We would maybe use the word anxious or worrisome. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. That is a powerful little three-letter word, yet praise him. In spite of all the circumstances, in spite of how things look, I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Notice verse number 11, Psalm 42. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall, there it is again, yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance 
and my God. And then look at chapter 43 and verse number 5. These psalms do go together, and it's obvious, if for no other reason, by these three verses that are so similar to one another. Psalm 43 and verse number 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my, what's the word? Countenance and my God. Our countenances have a tremendous way, a powerful way of revealing what's going on in here, don't they? Father, I pray that as we consider the wonderful blessing of the hope that we can have in you, that confidence in future certainties, though we can't see it now, yet based on your character, we have confidence in you. We call it hope, and I thank you that it's different than the world's hope. And as we consider... Uh, where our hope is placed, and as it is placed in you, the blessings that come from that, the help that comes from that, as we place our hope in you, as we consider uh, Ruth and Boaz and Naomi's example of that this evening, I ask for your help in these next few moments together, and I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, back in Ruth chapter number 2, I was been studying on this the last several days, chapter number 2, and uh, was putting final thoughts together this afternoon and was really wrestling. I like to use illustrations. I, I enjoy using illustrations as long as they're appropriate and they help to shed light on the truth and that they don't overpower the truth. And I used several of them this morning. But as I was making final preparation, I was having trouble coming up with illustrations. And then Loretta gave me one. Loretta, our dog. Okay. Now, just in case you might think using a dog as an illustration, Jesus did. Okay, he did. In several different instances, okay? Remember, uh, that Gentile lady used that illustration. She said, even the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from the rich man's table. And, uh, and Jesus had, had introduced the whole idea. I think about the fact that the word worship that is used in the New Testament literally means proskuneo, to lick the hand. It is the picture of a little lap dog out of adoration licking the hand of the master, and it's the word that is used for worship. Okay, That little dog seeing as its sole purpose of existence the pleasure of the master. Okay, So as we were sitting there, uh, Grace was eating a little snack. She had gotten up from her nap. I was sitting on the couch, and she was eating a little snack. And uh, Loretta, I think, as she gets older, has developed selective hearing. And, uh, but one thing she has no trouble hearing is a wrapper, like a snack wrapper. Or if she knows that there is active food ingestion taking place, she is front and center. So we were sitting there this evening, and Grace was eating a piece of sweet bread. I think some of it was left over from this morning. And the next thing I know, and I'm talking about the message tonight and the passage of Scripture, the next thing I know, I look, and there sits Grace, or Grace, no, there sat Loretta. Grace was sitting next to me. Man, I'm really getting messed up now. Good night. There sits Loretta, and she is staring Grace down. I mean, locked in. And that's the way she always is when there is food around. Matter of fact, sometimes it's so oppressive. 
we have to sit her on the rug at the front door, especially if we have company, and she just will sit there. Now, she'll not beg in the sense of barking and yelping, and, but she just sits there. And it's an expression of hope, but she doesn't always get what she wants. Now, there are plenty of times that she gets snacks. We take good care of her. We make sure, but she... And, you know, I thought about Proverbs. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. There are times that you've had hope and some kind of human provision, some kind of human reliability, and you've been disappointed. But I want you to know that as a child of God, as a worshiper of the Lord, there will never come a time that any hope that you place in Him will ever be disappointed. When it's a biblical hope, when it's according to His Word, no hope placed in the Lord will ever be disappointed. Now, you may not, I may not see the fulfillment of it when we want it fulfilled. But in God's perfect timing, every hope in God will be met, will be satisfied. That being said, I want you to notice three passage, three parts of chapter number four, or two. Chapter number two and verse number four. And these are really expressions of the hope of Boaz, the hope of Ruth, the hope of Naomi. And they become an example for you and for me in our own expression of hope. And in these three verses in chapter number 2, what is being shared in the scripture is the foundation of our hope. Characteristics, attributes about the Lord that become the basis for our hope. Notice Ruth chapter 2 and verse number 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, what are the next five words? The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. Now, if we're not careful, and, and I've done this before too, boy, we can just read right past that and think it's just an everyday greeting like saying good morning to you, God bless you. Okay. But we're going to come back and look at that in just a moment, and we're going to understand that there is a tremendous amount there. The Lord be with you. When Boaz said that, the, the, the tense of the idea, he is expressing a wish. He is expressing a hope. The Lord be with you. Notice, if you would, verse number 11 and 12. And Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath, been, or it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not before. And then notice, here is the expression of a hope, the expression of a wish that Boaz gives. The Lord recompense thy work. Boaz is expressing his hope. He's expressing his wish. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust or hope. And then drop down to verse number 20 and notice the words of Naomi in verse number 20. Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord. She again is expressing hope, expressing a wish, a desire Blessed be he of the Lord. She's referring to Boaz. But then notice what she says about the Lord. Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. God uses Boaz as the human instrument. Okay, But Naomi is saying something about the Lord here that is an expression of hope. And that is this. It is part of God's character that becomes a basis, a foundation of hope for us. And that is that the Lord will not leave off his kindness. Aren't you glad for the fact that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting? Okay. And that's in part what Naomi is referring to here. I want you to notice four attributes or characteristics of the Lord that are brought out in these three passages of Scripture 
which show to us the foundation of our hope and help to strengthen our understanding, our faith in this fact that no hope placed in the Lord, a biblical hope placed in the Lord, will ever be disappointed. The first is this. We can have complete hope in the fact that no matter what happens in this life, the darkness of it, the Lord remains. The Lord remains. Boaz says to his reapers, the Lord be with you. It's really a testimony that we can put our hope in the fact, the character, the attribute of God, that no matter what happens, the Lord remains. He is always there. As I think about the application of that in this story, the Lord remains even when others desert, even when others leave. Think about the background of this story. Elimelech and Naomi and Malon and Kilion had deserted the land of promise and gone to Moab. And yet there were men like Boaz and others that had stayed, that had continued to trust God through the famine, through the difficulty. And so it is a statement that is loaded with hope. When Boaz, he knew what he was talking about, the Lord be with you. God is here. I'm trusting you to live in the awareness of his presence because even when others desert, the Lord remains. What did Paul say in 2 Timothy chapter 4? When all others forsook me, at that last answer, that final answer, everybody else forsook him. Nevertheless, the Lord stood with me. I think about this in times of darkness. It's valuable and powerful for us to place our hope in the fact that the Lord remains. In times of darkness... It's the days when the judges ruled, when every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. How many of you would agree that there's plenty of clear application to our day, that we're living in dark times? Okay? We're living in dark times, but that should not overshadow the hope that the Lord remains. God doesn't look over the banister of heaven in 2021, 2022, 2023 now and say, well, I'll be, I didn't see that coming. The Lord remains. In all of his character, in all of his perfect plan, in all of his sovereignty, even in darkness, the Lord remains. I think about the fact that both Naomi and Ruth had experienced the physical death of a loved one. The Lord be with you. The Lord remains even in the experience of death. It's hard to say goodbye. There's tremendous hope. We saw not as those which have no hope. We have hope in a future reunion, and it's not a hope, so a hope. It is a confident certainty based on the character of God and his promises. There's the hope, even in physical death, of reunion. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you in destitution. I think about these two widows returning to the land and destitute, having no male provider until a kinsman redeemer is given by the Lord. And in times of destitution, we do well to remember and exercise our hope, in fact, that the Lord remains. He is there. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. As we just sang, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay on Christ, the solid rock I stand. And so our hope rests in the fact that the Lord remains. All may change, but Jesus never. 
Drop down to verse number 11 and 12. Boaz commends Ruth for what he has heard about her testimony. He's heard all that she has done unto her mother-in-law since the death of her husband. She'd gone the second mile. It is apparent that in that culture that her obligation to Naomi would, from a cultural perspective, had, have ended when Malon passed away, and yet she continued in faithful service to Naomi, even if it meant that she may never marry again. He goes on to mention how she has left her father and mother in the land of her nativity and are coming to a people which thou knewest not before. And then notice a second expression of hope from Boaz. The Lord recompense thy work. The word recompense here means to repay a former sacrifice. It's looking back on sacrifices that Ruth had made And it's also looking back, if you would, on past regrets that she could have had. And one of the things that I think is important for us to remember about our Lord is that not only does He remain, and that's a basis for hope, but the Lord repays. He recompenses. Former sacrifices. I think about missionaries on the field who've sacrificed the American dream and wouldn't trade it for anything. You remember even what Peter said, Lord, we've left all. What about us? And the Lord promises great recompense for those who make sacrifices. And so Boaz's expression here is the hope that the Lord repays. What were some of the sacrifices that Ruth made in leaving behind the land of her nativity after the death of her husband? She left behind father and mother and as far as we know would have never seen them again. The land of her nativity, the land that she knew. And I understand what would have gone on in her mind and heart as it related to the worship of the Moabites and their god Chemosh and her turning her back on that and trusting in the one true God. But Boaz says to her, you've come into a people which thou knewest not heretofore. That was a sacrifice for her. The risk that she took as a Moabitess In coming to the land of Israel, the risk of being scorned, and you get that in a few different places, that there was scorn that she experienced. But the blessing, get this, that the Lord recompenses. Now let me just add another aspect to this. Okay, Not only will the Lord recompense and does our God repay past sacrifices... I think about giving that we do. I think about things maybe that you left behind in order to move forward. I think about family ties maybe that were even strained or jeopardized because you said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want you to remember tonight that God knows that. And God will recompense that. He will pay that back. But there's another aspect. This word recompense is the exact same word Translated differently in the King James Version, the exact same Hebrew word that the prophet Joel uses in Joel chapter 2 and verse number 25 when he on behalf of the Lord is preaching to the nation of Israel and he looks into the future and he says this, he said, when you get right with God, God is going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It's the exact same word that is translated recompense here. And so Boaz said his wish, his hope, his desire based on the character of God is that our God is a God that repays past sacrifices. But get this, our God is also a God that recompenses, that pays back even when we look back with regret on wasted years. 
Our God is a God of second chances. He is a God of restoration to usefulness. He is a God who, when a person recognizes the folly and the error of their past and gets right with God, he is a God that will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I think it's important for us to have the same perspective that our God does. If we're not careful, when someone has failed us, when someone has failed God, it's easy for us to write that person off and just say, been there, done that, tried that, we're going to keep moving your to yourself. But I don't want us to, listen, let's not be harder than the heart of God. There would be no book of Jonah if it wasn't for the fact that our God is a God of second chances. There would have been no salvation in Nineveh if it wasn't for the fact that our God is a God of second chances. And so our God, and we can place our hope in this. We may fail, men may fail, but God never fails. We have a God that will restore a God that recompenses, a God that pays back past sacrifices, and a God that can even restore, if you would, years that the locusts have eaten. I'm glad God's not limited to man's time clock. I'm glad for testimonies that I know of, of adults, of people who've had many, many wasted years. They regret that, and God brings them to a place of brokenness and repentance and humility, and they get right with God, and God is in the business of second chances. He's in the business of restoration. He's in the business of using again. And so our God, as the basis of our hope, let's remember the Lord remains. The Lord be with you. Let's remember... The Lord repays, he recompenses. But then I want you to notice as Boaz goes on to express his hope for Ruth, his wish for Ruth, the Lord recompense thy work and a, what? Full reward. Be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. It's a totally different word. The word full literally means to fill out or that which is fitting how many of you ever done work for somebody and there was an agreement about how much you would get paid and then when it came around, they couldn't pay? Or maybe you did something for someone just on a, out of a, to be a blessing and they maybe said, I cannot pay you what this is worth. Maybe you've had some kind of experience like that. But I want you to understand something. When, the God, when God rewards, he always rewards fully. Okay, there's never a time when in, our, in his character and his capacity, our God's going to say, I know that, that what you did was wonderful, but I, there's just no way I can repay you. Let me tell you, if anybody can repay, and he can, it's God. Okay, and reward. A full reward be given thee of the Lord. Whereas the word recompense talks about God's paying back for past sacrifices, the word reward here speaks of present service. God's rewarding for present service, a full reward, a fitting reward. I often take heart from verses like 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 18. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. You may serve faithfully in the background. You may work faithfully in the background. Others may never notice, but God sees. And God is keeping track. 
And there is a great rewarding day that is coming called the judgment seat of Christ. And let me just tell you, when God rewards, He always does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so this is a basis of our hope. The Lord rewards. The Lord repays. The Lord remains. But I want you to notice, fourthly and finally this evening, verse number 20. Ruth comes home. Naomi sees her carrying 30 pounds approximately of grain. Blessed be he, she says in verse number 19, Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. Naomi knew that someone had been very gracious, abundantly gracious to Ruth. And then Ruth tells her, the end of verse number 19, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. In him is strength. Verse number 20, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he, Boaz, of the Lord, the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. The idea of that thought there that he has not, that the Lord has not left off his kindness, is that he's not failed in his kindness and he will not fail in his kindness. He's not forgetting, he will not forsake, he never will. The Lord hath not left off his kindness. He's not forgotten to exercise it. There will never be a time. The word kindness is the Hebrew word chesed, our idea of covenant love, sometimes translated loving kindness or mercy. God has covenanted himself with his people. He will not forget to show his mercy. He will not fail. He will not forsake. And so a fourth foundation of our hope in the Lord is this. The Lord remembers his people. And we can bank on that. He's not left off his kindness. Notice this, to the living and to who? The dead. Who's who's she talking about? She's talking about Elimelech and Malon and Kilion. Get this, believers who died, as far as we can tell, in the chastening of disobedience. And yet, God is still, when it comes to their seed, when it comes to their testimony, when it comes to the future of their family line, Naomi is testifying to the fact that God is merciful even to men like Malon, Kilion, and Elimelech who died in disobedience. God is merciful even to those who have died and gone on before. I got to tell you, that is a challenge to think about. That even when we fail like we do, God is still so merciful. He remembers us. He knows our frame that we are but dust. And so the Lord remembers. He's not left off his kindness, his covenant love, his loving kindness to the living and to the dead. So when we think of hope, I'm glad to tell you this evening that hope Placed in the Lord who remains, the Lord who repays, the Lord who rewards, and the Lord who remembers. Hope placed in our God is never improperly placed. It will never be disappointed. It will always be fulfilled and satisfied. Now, we've just preached all this in the context of Old Testament saints who lived in hope in an Old Testament context. Now, in closing, I want you to look with me at two passages of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 7. 
Hebrews chapter 7. verse number 19. Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 19. Remember, we just left the book of Ruth under the dispensation of the Mosaic law, okay? And yet, what a tremendous expression of hope they demonstrated. But I want you to notice verse number 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a, what are the next two words? Did. By the which, that is by that better hope, we draw nigh to God. As New Testament saints, get this folks, we have a better hope. And that better hope has a name. His name is Jesus. He is the one who came and fulfilled the law. He is the one that makes perfect. He is the better hope. As the priest... As the sacrifice, as the captain, he is the better hope. In fact, in chapter number 6, one of the wonderful things that the author talks about is the fact that we have this anchor that is within the veil. Notice verse number 19 of chapter 6. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner, speaking of Christ, who I believe is also the anchor of the soul, who's also the hope that is set before us. Even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we have this better hope. His name is Jesus. Paul, in Colossians chapter number 1 and verse number 27, confirms the same. Okay, And that is this, that Christ is our hope. And he is the forerunner that is entered in. He's the anchor within the veil. In other words, how secure is our hope in the Lord that remains, the Lord that repays, the Lord that rewards, the Lord that remembers? How secure is it? It is as secure as Jesus is already seated at the right hand of the Father with the work being finished. How sure is our hope? It's as sure as the work that was accomplished 2,000 years ago. It is that confidence, though unseen, it is a confidence in, a, in the future certainties based upon the promises and the character and the work of God. The forerunner is already entered. Our hope is already within the veil. And it is a better hope. And notice this, by the which we, to tie into the message this morning, by the which we draw nigh to God. And so I want you to know, as a worshiper of the Lord, as a child of God, there's never going to come a time that you sit before the Lord and place your hope in them that your hope will ever be disappointed. It'll ever be deferred and the heart made sick. It may not get fulfilled in the time that you want, that I want, but hope in the Lord is always well-founded. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For this brief reminder this evening of the hope that we have because of grace and that we can hope in God. Thank you for the example of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi as they model for us placing their confidence, their hope, their certainty in the fact that the Lord remains. 
that he's with us even when all around my soul gives way. When others desert, when we experience the death of loved ones, when there's darkness all about, when there's destitution, the Lord remains. The Lord repays past sacrifices, but he also restores. We look back and repent of wasted years. The Lord is a God of second chances, and we can have complete confidence in that. The Lord gives a full reward, a reward that is completely fitting and even above and beyond that which we have done for the cause of Christ. Though others may not have seen it, He sees it. And then the Lord remembers He will never leave off His kindness to the living and to the dead. I pray that these thoughts would strengthen us as we move through this week. And I pray this all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, our forerunner who's entered in the veil, our anchor that's already within the veil and that we would move forward in this confidence this week for him and his cause. In Jesus' name we pray it, amen.